I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. You want to get married? Sure. Today. What are we going to do? The question isn't what are we going to do. The question is what aren't we going to do? This is Edward R. Rooney, Dean of Students. You are aware that your son is not in school today. This is all news to me. He has missed an unacceptable number of school days. He has been absent nine times. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. It's a fool's paradise. A, you can never go too far. B, if I'm gonna get busted, it is not gonna be by a guy like that. I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. I've got you right where I want you. Pucker up, buttercup. Bueller. Bueller. Hi, first Bueller. I did not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. <laughs> An improvised line that was left in specifically because it's so ridiculous. They wanted it to be ridiculous. It's horrible. Leave my cheese out in the wind. Yeah. It's Pool Scene Podcast time again. We are Kevin and Jim, and we got a lot of show to get to. And my cheese is out in the wind. Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese out in the wind. There's holes in it. <laughs> Never heard of a dick cheese I got euphemism. A, bl- a block of cheese out in the wind. I just, <laughs> I put uh, a block of Elvita on my antenna. Uh, <laughs> just, we're done. Christ. Jim, we have a mixed bag of taglines for this week's movie. And Ooh. They're maybe a little better than a lot of the movies we cover. All right, let's see. While the rest of us were just thinking about it, Ferris borrowed a Ferrari and did it all in a day. That's too much. It's too wordy. Because life is too beautiful a thing to waste. No. One man's struggle to take it easy. Okay, that makes like more that sense, yeah. And then the one of the worst ones of all time. They just fuck it. Basically. Leisure rules. That's horrible. Leisure That's rules. Horrible. Now, do you think actor David Leisure, who was in <laughs> Empty Nest, used that line? He's like, hey, leisure, leisure rules. rules. David Leisure rules. Those taglines are attached to 1986's John Hughes film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That you hate. I don't like it. Yeah, you do not. John Hughes, of course, responsible for 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and a few others. You say Automobiles, Automobiles. I say Automobile. He co-wrote Home Alone under a pseudonym. What was the pseudonym in that? Do you remember? Dick Cheeseburger. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much he did a lot of coming of age teen movies all set in the Chicago area. I, it's not that I dis, I just, Ferris Bueller's fine. There's parts of it I really enjoy. Like Charlie Sheen and Francis Baby Houseman in the, uh, in the, in the office. In the jail. I love it. 
Ferris running through the yards trying to get home. Love it. You know what's crazy watching this movie? I forgot how long this movie is. Yeah. But it's just, uh, there's, and we're, we're going to talk about it. We'll get yeah, we it. will. This movie takes place at Shermer High School, Shermer High, which is the same school from Weird Science, 16 Candles, and The Breakfast Club. What did Bender think of Ferris? Can you imagine? He'd be friends with Charlie Sheen's character. I'm sure. He'd probably Big hate time. him. And, and the uh, something I sent you, in the original two hour and 45 minute oh, cut. man. Ferris and uh, Charlie Sheen's character used to be friends and they split. And now that explains Charlie Sheen, why he's bad now. As an older person, I would love to have watched that cut of the movie. But when you look at who they were marketing this movie towards, teens would have been like, come on, man. Two hour, 45 minutes. There's a big section of, it's actually kind of cool. One of the, Challenges for a key spoiler alert in Ready Player Two is they have to do a mission inside a John Hughes universe, and there's all these different Shermer High Schools, and all the characters from the from the John Hughes movies are all there. That'll be interesting. So they all live on the same street. It's pretty cool. Well, as I said, the first edit of this film, two hours and forty five minutes. That's too long. And to keep this episode from being too long, Jim, give us the budget, box office news, and number ones at time of release. Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out on June 11th, 1986 to a whopping $5 million budget, Kevin, and it made $70 million at the box Pretty office. Good. I have a feeling if it was the two-hour and 45-minute cut, it only made probably 30 or 30 No, it million. still would have made it. Just no one would have ever seen the end because they would have walked out at one thirty. This movie does drag a bit. Here's a little flashback for you. Gas was 86 cents. Man, I miss those days. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And the Care Bears were the number one toy. But now to the news, Kevin. The Rogers Communication Reports on the Challenger disaster blames Morton Thiokol for bad O-rings that led to the Challenger explosion in January of 1986. A pickup line? Which part? I'm Martin Thortical. Morton Thiokol. I'm Martin Thiokol, and I want to make your O-ring bad. Yeah, but that's... That's what happened, and it took them that long to figure that out, which is we've crazy. Challenger a bunch. I mean, that's because we've we've lived in this 85, 86, 87. Well, here's the thing about Challenger. I can remember being a four-year-old kid watching it on TV exploding because I can remember vividly my going up to my mom and go, why did the egg explode on TV? Because it looked like an exploding egg. I'll never forget that. Kevin, here's another disaster here in the news. Pravda, which is the at the time the Soviet Union's main newspaper, announced High-level Chernobyl staff fired for stupidity. No shit, Sherlock. One of the staff members wrote on the wall, I love you, Pripyat. Forgive me. As they were evacuating out of a clinic during the Chernobyl disaster. Jesus Christ. Kevin, George has a big announcement in the world of sports. What's up, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. The third amateur radio direction-finding world championships, Kevin, were held in Sarajevo. If you're unfamiliar with this, the radio sport activity deals with the taking of radio bearings to navigate through wooded areas in search of transmitters. What? Exactly. I kept looking up. Who won the championship for 1986? Morton Thortical. <laughs> they don't list any championships. It just, it, it took place. It, 
So they're still looking that for was the a way for AV nerds oh, to yeah. call themselves athletes because that's not a sport. You know what this is? It's a fucking scavenger hunt. Yeah, that's all it is. It's a championship scavenger hunt. Kevin, your number one, two, and three blockbuster video rentals for the month were hey, more movies, more nights, more fun. Blockbuster video. What a difference. The Goonies, Back to the Future. And Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Holy shit. And I hope Nightmare 2 is better than that first movie that was a pile of garbage. The number one movie in America, Kevin, the sequel will be coming up later in this year. And we will be doing another spoiler cast for it, Top Gun Maverick. But Top Gun, the first one, debuted at number one in the country. Thank God, Top Gun, amazing movie. And the number one song in America, Kevin, this is a little weird, a little different. Live to Tell from Madonna. It's not like one of her best, but it was like number one for like a week or two. And that was it. And that's all that was going on in June of 1986. Well, it's it's crazy because, like I said, we've we've been living in 85, 86, 87. Next, we're doing 86 this week, going back to 85 next week. And then, you know, there's there's that other year that news. Top Gun, Goonies. It tells you why. Back to the future. It tells you why. We're living in that era. Well, this is our childhood. And and to hype next week, we have a new segment in, in lieu of a pool check where it's so exciting to... It's going to be great. So we're very excited about that. And then to start off season seven, we have... Oh, we got another couple episodes before we, we get do, to seven. We but, do. But when we start off, we've already planned our, our beginning of season seven. We're going to 1994, where that's another we're year. We're going back to 94. Where it's like... 94 was so loaded and it's like Forrest Gump won best picture against so many other great movies. Ridiculous. When you look back in history, you're like, "Eh, I could have done without it. But yeah, yeah. regardless, let's skip into the plot of Ferris Bueller's day off. Do it. It's near the end of senior year. While breaking the fourth wall, Ferris Bueller talks to the camera to give advice on a number of things. Original Zach Morris. Yeah, pretty much. Ferris is faking illness to stay home. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you that a good phony fever is a dead lock, but uh, you get a nervous mother, you could wind up in a doctor's office. That's worse than school. While his parents think he's truly sick, his sister doesn't buy it. Dean of Students Ed Rooney suspects that Ferris is just skipping school and wants to catch him because he's had nine Nine absences. I've mentioned my thoughts on Ferris on other episodes, but in another example of Ferris being a terrible person, Ferris convinces his friend Cameron, who's homesick because he's a hypochondriac, to help lure Ferris's girlfriend Sloan Peterson out of school. What a name. The trio have a skip day exploring Chicago, including the Art Museum. I love the Art Museum. Art Museum. Art Museum, the Sears Tower, a Cubs game at Wrigley, and then they join a parade. Why not? They destroy Cameron's dad's Ferrari. Ferrari gets Sloan home before her parents, and Ferris races home in order to prevent his sister from exposing his lies to his parents. He doesn't beat her, but his sister has a change of heart. And covers for him to Rooney. That's how our movie ends. And now let's talk about characters. This is interesting. Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller. Hell yeah. 
Alan Ruck as Cameron Fry, Ferris's best friend. He was 29 years old playing a 17-year-old. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. What? I'll go. Shit. <laughs> Anthony oh, Anthony Michael Hall turned down this role to avoid being typecast. Alan Ruck had auditioned for Bender in Breakfast Club, and John Hughes remembered him. I could not imagine Alan Ruck as John Bender. You think he'd made a good John Bender? I don't think he would have made a good John Bender, but I can picture him as John Bender. Now, see, I could picture Alan Ruck as Anthony Michael Hall's yeah. character, Brian yes. Johnson, right. in Breakfast Club. Hughes remembered him, liked him. Mia Sarah as Sloane Peterson, Ferris's girlfriend. It was Molly Ringwald. It was supposed to be? Yeah, there was some... Molly Ringwald claims she turned it down. John Hughes claims, you know, like, he just... Didn't want to keep doing the same thing. But so this basically could have had the Brat Pack almost. Yeah. Could have had Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald. Mel, yeah. Molly Ringwald. Do you find it? Did you, when you watch this movie, I had to double check things. I don't know why I thought Mia Sarah was English because sometimes she had like she an English accent. She sounds Australian or an Aussie. And her first like lines. Mr. Rooney, Ed, you're a beautiful man. Thank you. I want to thank you for your warmth and compassion. I was thrown off, but no, she's born here. So I was kind of thrown off by now, that. Now, this still bums me out so badly. So we have Jeffrey Jones as Ed Rooney. So good. When I was a kid, Jeffrey Jones in Howard the Duck. Scared the shit out of me. In this, in Beetlejuice. I loved anything. An awesome with, character actor. Anything with Jeffrey Jones in it was great. Now he's a fucking child pedo. Is he really? You didn't know that. No. Oh, yeah. He was arrested in uh, 2002 for possession of child porn God damn it. Um, he solicited a 17 year old boy he got like misdemeanor charge blah 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 what? seriously what the fuck is wrong with people he had to register as a sex offender and then like he's been arrested multiple times because he hasn't updated god damn it his sex offender status yeah he's again just fucking derails everything yeah Jesus bumps me fuck, out because he, he's great so good Jennifer Grey as Jeannie Bueller Ferris's sister even though they played siblings Matthew Broderick Jennifer Gray would later become engaged so no one knew they were dating oh they were dating they were dating they got engaged but tragically a year later Fuck, what now? You didn't know this? No. Oh my God, Jim, where were I'm you? learning shit. So they were involved in a fatal crash in Northern Ireland. So Matthew Broderick grew up in Ireland. Okay. And he would return there every year. They collided with another vehicle. They killed a mother and daughter in an automobile accident. God. Broderick was driving in the wrong lane and just claims God. he doesn't know why. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't administer a, a breathalyzer or anything. But he got the Vince Neal treatment. Instead of serving time for killing two people, he paid a $175 fine. <sighs> Yeah, Vehicular that was homicide. always always a thing that um, I never knew about. Matthew that. Broderick killed somebody. Wow. Yeah. So that was that's sad. <laughs> I'm Fuck this whole. We're starting off on a high note, boy. Ferris Bueller's parents in the movie, which is Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, they got married in real life. Really? Although they divorced like a year later. Yeah, I can see why. Edie McClurg as school secretary. She's great. She's the mom <laughs> in Airborne. Do you like Kool Aid? Yes. Oh well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. 
They think he's a righteous dude. Charlie Sheen as boy in police station. Ben Stein as economics teacher. Who else do we want to mention? I'm trying to think of Christy this. Swanson. She's yeah, in she, economics class. Yeah. And Louis Anderson as flower delivery man. Which actor actress gives past performance to any non-lead character steal scenes? Well, shit, after that revelation, I, Saint how did Jeffrey you not, Jones. How did you not know this stuff? I never knew about any of this. Honest to God, I never knew I about any of I remember hearing about Jeffrey Jones and was so disappointed. I might have, and I just let it slip out of my mind. But if we're talking just this movie, I wrote down Jeffrey Jones okay. as he's Ed great. Rooney. Yeah. He's great as Ed Rooney because he's so... I never understood, even as a kid... Why he has such a vendetta to nail Ferris Bueller to a wall. Looking for this? I got you, Ferris. I have reamed about this. And this time, god damn you little bastard. I've got you right where I want you. So, how would you feel about another year of high school? Hmm? Under my close personal supervision the extreme methods he he does a b and e he breaks into his fucking house he stalks people he almost assaults a girl dressed like ferris bueller in yeah. an arcade yes it's, what the hell it's awesome so good i'm charlie sheen what do you care if your brother ditches school why should he get to ditch when everybody else has to go you could ditch yeah i'd get caught so you're pissed off because he ditches and doesn't get caught is that it basically basically and your problem is you. Excuse me? Excuse you. You ought to spend a little more time dealing with yourself, a little less time worrying about what your brother does. Yeah, I really like the whole uh, the whole thing in the office where he's just like... Fuck it, whatever. Yeah, where he's just like spitting the whole thing about, uh, you know, Drugs. why he's there. And he's, he's like... You know, he's talking to baby and she... I keep calling her baby, but there's a sister. And she like hates... Uh, you know, the Ferris skip school and stuff. And he's like, well, what do you care? You could skip school. Drugs. Like, why Why do you care? And uh, yeah, it's real. It's real fascinating. But man, that I backstory mean, would have been amazing to know that him and Ferris were best friends growing up. Yeah, it's real fascinating. So, uh, all right, let's move to best scenes. Ferris tricking Ed Rooney into insulting who he thinks is Sloan's father. I had that too. Dude, that scene it's, is so funny. Oh, it's so good. So tell you what, dipshit. You don't like my policies, you can just come on down here and smooch my big old white butt. Cat! Pucker up, buttercup. What? Ferris Bueller's online too. Ed Rooney, who's like. He's a pit bull. He's obsessed with catching Ferris. Oh, there's like no other student in the fucking so school. So Ferris is already home, so Ed Rooney thinks. Anything weird is has to do with Ferris. But then he sees on the computer, amount of times he's been absent yeah. went from nine to two. Yes. So Ed Rooney thinks he's talking to Ferris. So Ferris convinces Cameron to help him make this call, which will get Sloan out of school so she can spend the day with them. He has a very nasally voice. Exactly. So Ed Rooney thinks he's talking to Ferris. Well, uh, it's been a tough morning and uh, we've got a lot of family business to take care of. So if you wouldn't mind excusing Sloan... I'd uh, appreciate it. Uh, uh, sure. Yo, I'd be happy to. Yeah, you uh, you, you just produce a corpse, and uh, I'll release Sloan. I want to see this dead grandmother firsthand. Yeah. It's all right, Grace. It's Ferris Bueller, little twerp. I'm going to set a trap and let him fall right into it. 
he's actually talking to Cameron and he's so cocky and confident that he's talking he, to he's Paris got him. that he goes, I need to see the dead body. Yeah. He tells him, you need to bring your dead grandmother's body or your dead mother's body to the school. Calls him dipshit. Yeah, calls him dipshit. <laughs> so then Ferris calls, calls on the other line. So while Ed Rooney's still talking to Cameron, who he thinks is slow, it's, he's like, hey, this is Ferris Bueller. Pucker up, buttercup. Yeah. What is that? Ferris Bueller's online too. Yeah, it's so good. It's really, <laughs> really funny to just... Because that's the character Jeffrey Jones plays in this. Is like, he fearlessly so good. goes to the extreme, uh, but then he is no problem making the ass out of himself. So it's just awesome. like that great Billy Joel song, I go to extremes. No. But I love the point where he finally knows it, and he's like, get Sloan Peterson, get... Grace! And he's just fucking <laughs> yelling, and he's hauling ass out of the principal office it's so fucking good and then well then the the follow-up to that is, is he walks slowing out of the school and, and it says the creepiest he does. shit to her yeah. on the stairs yeah and that is born of woman hath but a short time to live and is full of misery he cometh up and is cut down like a flower he fleeth as if it were a shadow and never continueth in one stay between grief and nothing i'll take grief well then, uh, wow. Ferris is, it, it works because Ferris shows up in the Ferrari at a distance at a distance. And he's wearing like a, a flasher trench coat yeah, fedora. And, a hat and glasses. And you know, Sloan walks down to him. Sloan dear. But then they basically make out and Ed Rooney says, just, so that's how it is at home. It just writes it off. <laughs> yeah. But it would make sense that Sloan's dad after that wouldn't walk up and shake his hand or come get her or anything. Yeah. So, so my, <laughs> the parade ladies and gentlemen you're such a wonderful crowd we'd like to play a little tune for you it's one of my personal favorites and i'd like to dedicate it to a young man who doesn't think he's seen anything good today cameron fry this one's for you Now, yeah. for the longest time growing up, this is before I listened to the Beatles. I seriously thought this was Matthew Broderick singing Twist and Shout and Donka Shane. The amazing about this parade, and I'll get to it more in the logic segment. You're trying is that a weekday at 10 a.m. It's a weekday at 10 a.m. Plus, you're trying not to get caught. So you literally become the focal point in downtown yeah. Chicago yes. in a parade singing karaoke yeah and here's another thing i find amazing about that parade scene the pas must be lined all the way down the street and on top of every building because the sound is incredible yes but what i don't get this parade scene is just so over the top when was the last time you've seen a town get so behind one kid yeah mouthing donka shane and twist and shout right well i, I will say uh, it's more believable that matthew broderick could have sang donka shane and twist and shout than Michael J. Fox singing Johnny Be Good. I when the agree. voice does not changes a hundred percent from his it's so strange. Yeah. I have the race home. Oh shit. I have to go. I'll call you tonight. I love you too. He's 
So Ferris drops Sloan off at home, tells her he's going to marry her, which is fucking wrong. Yeah. He drops her off at home, and then he must beat his sister and his parents home. And he's sprinting through backyards. He's sprinting down the middle of the street, in which his dad his, doesn't recognize his own fucking they child. They make his dad out to be so stupid. But his dad looks over, doesn't see him. Ferris cuts through some yard, sees some girls in bikinis, comes back. Hi, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, and then uh, just that music. I can't dun, remember dun, 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 dun. And he's jumping dun, over bushes dun, 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 and stuff. Dun, dun, dun. He doesn't beat his sister home, but his sister finds Ed Rudy. Yeah. Has a change of heart, no doubt, after talking to Charlie Sheen. And then says, Hi. Thank God you're all right. You know, we've been worried sick about you. Thank you, Mr. Rooney, for driving him home. Now, I want you to go upstairs and get in bed. Scoot! Can you imagine someone as sick as Ferris trying to walk home from the hospital? <laughs> oh, kids. By the way, Mr. Rooney, you left your wallet on the kitchen floor. Oh, how Ferris walked home from the hospital. How nice of you to bring him home. And then she reveals the wallet. Yep. Mr. Rooney, looks like you left your wallet in my kitchen. Yep. And he throws it to the dog. It's great. So my next one is kind of a more serious scene. It's where Cameron comes to realization about his dad when they decide, I don't know what they thought logically, that rolling back That's so stupid. a car in reverse is going to roll back the odometer. But he finally comes to realization that I'm fucking sick of trying to please my dad. He loves this car more than he loves me. I'm bullshit. I put up with everything. My old man pushes me around. I never say anything. He's not the problem. I'm the problem. I got to take a stand against him. I am not going to sit on my ass as the events that affect me unfold to determine the course of my life. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to defend it. Right or wrong, I'm going to defend it. I am so sick of his shit. And it's such a fucking deep scene. This is where my argument goes, where I don't think Ferris Bueller is an asshole because he's like, Cameron, I'll take the fall for you yeah. fucking up your dad's Ferrari. In actuality, folks, this wasn't a real Ferrari. They used a fiberglass mold, so it wasn't yeah, a, right. yeah. a six-figure Ferrari. But it's the fact that Cameron's like, Fuck this. And he proceeds to just bash the shit out of the car with it still being in reverse. And of course, they live in this, you know, in yeah. the mid 80s, you had this ultra modern type yeah. homes and he lives like in a ravine and it goes yeah. right out the garage down a ravine and destroys it. and cameras it fine with it. Yeah. And you get that slow close up pan shot of him finally smiling. I feel content with myself. So, now. This scene has something I always thought was a little weird, especially more so as an adult. But when Cameron admits that he caught Sloan changing Cameron. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you see me change out of my clothes by the jacuzzi? Did you? You saw me? I thought you were catatonic. That's okay. I'm not embarrassed weird and he's kind of like <laughs> he kind very of beavis and butt does like a really like he like a bashful smile they were to remake this movie they should put cameron as he definitely has a crush on sloan and sloan does. knows yes it. 
Cameron should have been like an autistic character or because that's how he's presented, but they never say it. Yeah, They true. just say he's a hypochondriac, but Cameron's a, a different sort of cat. But he goes like weird, like catatonic. Yes. For, I would assume in movie time would have been well over a couple hours. Yeah. I, I would say they should have made Cameron depressed. He definitely so was they depressed. should be like, he's he's got serious depression. Well, he's got trauma from his father. And Cameron just, yeah, and Cameron just wants to show him a good time is better than like, because this whole thing to me, and we'll get into it later, it's just, it feels like manipulation. It does. It just always ends up feeling like Cameron taking advantage of someone is what it is. My last scene that I want to mention quickly is uh, the Abe Froman scene in the restaurant. May I help you? You can sure as hell try. Hi, I'm Abe Froman. Party of three for 12. Is there a problem? You're Abe Froman. That's right. I'm Abe Froman. The Sausage King of Chicago. The Sausage King so of Chicago. So why these kids decide that they're going to eat at a, yeah, a very expensive restaurant and they're just dressed like kids and the guys like you basically, you can't eat here. To get it, they get a burger and fries. Yeah. And then Cameron, uh, or not Cameron, uh, Ferris says, well, I'm Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. And the guy doesn't believe him. Ferris pulls the phone thing again. They call the call. police. Yeah, tells him to call the police. Makes a call to the front desk when he answers. Mr. Froman, this is Sergeant Peterson, Chicago Police. He's you know somebody. Sergeant looking, Peterson, yeah, Chicago Police, looking for Abe Froman. So they end up apologizing, let him eat there. It's just it's more Ferris manipulation, but it, it's funny. I got one last real quick one, Kevin. If you're skipping school and you want to hang out with you know your girlfriend and your best friend. Where's the best place to take them? You take them to the stock exchange. Yeah, right. You want to get married? Sure. Today. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not getting married. Why not? Why do you mean, why not? Think about it. Well, no, besides being too young, having no place to live, you feeling a little awkward about being the only cheerleader with a husband. Give me one good reason, why not? I'll give you two good reasons why not. My mother and my father. They're married and they hate each other. You've seen them, am I right? So what? Well, it's like that car. He loves the car. He hates his wife. So they hang out over a trading session at like the Chicago's Stock Exchange, and that's where Ferris asks his girlfriend Sloan to marry him. Yeah. So weird while Cameron just sits there. Like Cameron, if you would ask anybody, even in real life, what is the definition of a third wheel? Cameron oh, Fry. Yes. I feel bad for the kid the majority of the movie because he sees all this shit. Would you say he has a crush on Sloan or he really has deep-seated feelings for Sloan? A crush. He I okay. think he thinks he might be in love with Sloan, but I think it's okay. just infatuation. All right. I you know that's that again we'll get to it later but that's like one of the most heinous offenses of ferris is that he convinces cameron to come out to skip school come with him blah 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 but really it's like the day is about ferris and sloan i mean he does steal his dad's ferrari yeah but it's like it's yeah it's so weird and just like other episodes there's pool in this one that's right there's always a pool in the movies we do not why we're called the pool scene podcast it's what woke cameron out of his vegetative state he jumped in the pool so let's get out of that pool so we're not in a vegetative state cameron get out of the pool <laughs> All right, we're returning to the Mount Rushmore segment, and we are doing Mount Rushmore of high school movies. Now, this one for me, hard, pretty, it was easy. 
Really? It was very easy for me because of how I structured it. A couple of things I would say about high school movies is I kind of have any movie that involves students are in high school. There's a high school in the movie, like just that age. You know, we've done Can't Hardly Wait. We've done a number of other high school movies on this podcast, Porky's and so on. But it's weird. High school movies definitely shifted from being very male centric. Oh, my God. Did they ever to, you know, a huge surge of role reversal with, you know, female centric. So do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Be my guest, Kev. Number one. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I had said that Pool Scene Podcast was not called the Pool Scene Podcast because there's a pool in every movie we covered. It's called that because of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the Phoebe Cates scene. We will cover that movie at some point, we promise. But uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, really the iconic one. It's the the one one that kicked it all off. Kicked it all off. You know, you've got a bunch of overlapping storylines, great music. And uh, Jim, give us your first. My George Washington face was, of course, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. How yeah. can it not be the number one on the mountain? Come on. No, it is. It's maybe the iconic teen movie. Yeah, by they far. Need to, they need to maybe remake that. I don't know. With how school is now, it's a little weird. Yeah. Number two. Breakfast Club, 1980s. Son of a bitch. So is mine. John Hughes. Yep. You've got the same director as Ferris Bueller Day Off. These kids are spending the day in Saturday detention. You've got the bad kid. You've got the jock. you got the nerd. And what's great about this movie is you don't really get different scenes. That's it. They're, you, they're in the library 95% of that movie. It's great. And it's the best fucking high it's school so library great. I've ever seen in my it's life. so great. I love it. Well, what makes that movie great, too, is you have these characters from different forms of life, different socioeconomic status that somehow in the end, over a joint, Kevin, don't tell Johnny Dakota, over a joint, end up becoming great friends. And it's interesting, though, because are they? That's how that's the fascinating thing about this movie is that would have been great to see what that next day that at Monday school. on Monday yeah. at school. There's our Brian and maybe, Bender best friends, maybe a wink and a nod in the hallway. But that's what even Claire brings up to Bender. Yep. Be like, are you going to acknowledge Brian on Monday? So his that's, friends are going to question why Bender's wearing Claire's earring. Exactly. Number three. 1990s. I'm going clueless. Oh, OK, nice. So you have a female centric. Even though I've got some major problems with this movie now, you have uh, Cher and Dion who are trying to make over a girl named Ty in their wow. image. Yep. And Rest you've in got peace, high Murphy. school parties. You've got Paul you Rudd. Know, Paul Rudd. You've got Donald Faison. You've got a, a number of great scenes. You've got very LA centric movie. It's a, a di- 90s spin on a Valley Girl. Concept. Definitely iconic, but much like our Saved by the Bell episode last week, you got a little bit of Statch, a little bit of weird. Yeah. Like stepbrother who's in college, dating a high school 16 year old. Yeah. Little uh, porn hub. Yeah. This is a very Aunt Vera Brantley. A little, a little strange, yeah. My third, of course, is American Pie. Okay. I went to the 90s, too. I mean, come on, right? Yeah. We've talked about this movie to no end. It's the iconic movie for me and my group of classmates that graduated 99-2000. It, it was our high school time. And it was sexual release. You know, I was Jim in every which way, shape, or form. So I related to fuck the movie the even more. I did not fuck a pie. That's it? (laughs) Okay. No, it's just, it's so iconic. I mean, how can it not be the third head on my mountain? Number four. My final one, another female-centric one. So funny. Mean Girls. Mean Girls, written by Tina Fey. Just great. I mean, it's about, uh, you know, a girl who 
has been homeschooled her whole life, who goes to high school for the first time and really learns about clicks and learns about the difference between the uh, plastics and the art kids and, you know, all the different social sects and how you can get pulled in one way and lose track of yourself. So funny. Like it's got yeah. the perfect balance of like lessons and, and comedies. The funny thing about Mean Girls, I saw it in theaters and... I never saw the last 15 minutes because the power went out. Oh. They gave us those emergency passes to come yeah. back and see any movie anytime. I did not see Mean Girls the rest of it, the last 15 minutes until I think it was like on cable. So, because I never went back and saw it. So, my number four is also a female centric one. Great movie based off a of Shakespeare play. I believe it was The Tempest 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. I mean, Taming such, of the Shrew. But. Taming of the Shrew. I'm not, I, don't know much of Shakespeare. I just is a foreign language to me, but this movie, it's an intelligent teen movie. Yeah. I love Julia Stiles in yeah. this movie. She's being Heath Ledger. I mean, Alex Mack. I mean, you get uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie, Kevin's favorite party hound, Bogie Lowenstein. What I appreciate about it, it's a teen movie, but it's an intelligent teen movie that you can easily relate to. Yeah. And I love the fact that they wrapped in, you know, with it being related to a Shakespeare story, too. So maybe that even tells teenagers, hey, maybe I should check out this Shakespeare play. And then they try to read it and they go, what the fuck language is this? I'm going to get the Cliff's Notes version. Didn't help me at all. I still failed it. But a fucking great well, movie. Well, they were trying to do this a lot in the, uh, in the 90s and stuff. Because there's a movie that I actually really like. A lot of other people don't. It's called Oh. And it's Othello. Okay. Set in a high school with Josh Hartnett where he tries to manipulate all these other students to like break this couple up so he can be with her. Omar Epps, Julia Stiles, Josh Hartnett, That's Fulton, a, Fulton Reed. Yeah, Fulton Reed ended up being in uh, Daredevil. Yeah, but a number of others. It's, uh, it's Othello, but it's told from a modern perspective. With And it makes sense because in high school you could have that type of sort of manipulation. It's not as weird as when they redid Romeo and Juliet with right. Leonardo DiCaprio. Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, weird. Make sure to wear sunscreen. I was going to say, before oh, you got we honorable mentions? Up, yeah, I do, okay. Kevin. I think I got some too. I'd be hiding out. Yeah, hiding out's great. I'm glad you prevented me from jumping in the pool. Yeah. And wait that 30 minutes uh, after you eat. Uh, she's all that. Grease. Yeah. Can't buy me love. Oh. Not the Nick Cannon one. Yeah, no. Uh, Patrick Dempsey. Another, a more modern one. Two more modern ones. Easy A. Okay. Really good. Blockers. Okay. With John Cena. Oh, yeah. It's really funny. Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. Porkies. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some other. I mean, there's modern Edge of Seventeen's really good, but it's more coming of age, a little bit more serious. Lady Bird, which was Oscar type movie. Oh, the Duff, yeah, the Duff because it like pays homage to a bunch of these movies. Any any uh, other? No, I at least had to mention Hiding Out. Yeah, Hiding Out's great. That's Maxwell one movie Hauser. that's on our list that we are yeah. going to cover. It's so good. Now let's get back in the pool. Everybody, back in the pool. Cameron, you okay? <laughs> No, I had eight hot dogs. And, uh, <laughs> oh, here we go with the eight hot dogs again. You, you're the one that had eight hot dogs. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, before I went to bed, I decided I'm not going to do a whole pack. I just ate six. Okay. With bun. I have two critical questions. All right. So what is your ideal skip day? <laughs> well, I did a lot of these. What, what did you do? Because you can't really... I remember if I stayed home from school, whether sick or not or whatever, my mom wouldn't let me do anything. Because she's like, what if a teacher sees you? I'm like, the teachers are at school. She's like, what if one's off? What if somebody from school? What if a parent? What if somebody sees you? I'm like, they're going to assume I have diarrhea or something. They're going to assume <laughs> there's a reason I'm not at school. They're not going to like tell the school, hey, I saw Kevin at the fucking wherever it was. So when I skipped, and my, my mom kind of let me do that a lot. I love my mom to death. Rest in peace. But 
my mom would like, you can't leave the house. So I would never leave the house because there was a chance. I know I would get caught. So my mom would basically sometimes if a new video game came out, she'd go out and give me a new video game and I would stay home and play the video game. So unlike Ferris, I didn't have an amazing day off. It involved me staying in my bedroom. Well, right. The whole time. When we were kids, we didn't have internet. No. And there wasn't like cool cable and stuff. So it's like you'd watch Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Or not. I'm sorry. Not Wheel of Fortune. Price is right. Price is right. You watch Price is right. You watch Victor Newman. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of weird, like sometimes QVC. Yeah. But you'd watch like bad TV. I would play video games. I remember my mom would like, she'd stay at home mom. She'd always have to, and my grandma didn't drive. So she'd have to take my grandma to run errands. So I remember like, depending on the nature of how sick I was or whatever, you know, might have to tag along with them to run errands or something. But yeah, my ideal skip day probably would have been like going to the movies. It would have been so cool to just be like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go see a 10 a.m. matinee. Exactly. Yeah. In high school, I skipped a lot more because I went to the career center half a day. And sometimes instead of driving back, I just wouldn't. I would just like, blow off the second half of the day and <laughs> i'd be with my girlfriend <laughs> oh oh yeah we'd, yeah we'd go home you would uh, explore her technical center yeah yes exactly the weird so. thing is though it's like we get stuck watching price is right and then yeah. now if we're homesick from work we're watching the price is right well with excitement yeah well now it's like <laughs> it's nostalgic but now kids have netflix and they Hulu have everything and they have their fucking and all this stuff phone. And internet and yeah all right so now the doozy that's just the appetizer to the big question this week Possible which in a previous episode I went through a more thorough list. Is Ferris Bueller a bad person? Make a case for why or why not. I said no, and I'm going to stick by no. I think, like your big argument is, he kind of takes advantage of Cameron, and he kind of forces him out of the house. I don't look at it like forcing him out of the house. I look at it like, hey, I'm going to be spending time with my girlfriend. I want my best friend there too, and I know he's down in the dumps because of the relationship with his dad. I'm going to take him out regardless if he wants to go or not. He, he's skipping school. He's faking sick. I'm taking him out to enjoy the day. And to be honest, throughout this entire movie, Cameron does end up enjoying his day. You know, that whole time I was just thinking things over. I was like, I was like meditating. Then I sort of watched myself from inside. I realized it was ridiculous. <laughs> Being afraid. Worrying about everything. Wishing I was dead. All that shit. I'm tired of it. It's the best day of my life. I'm going to miss you guys next year. And if it wasn't for Ferris, he wouldn't have come to that realization. You know what? I'm done kissing my dad's ass. I am done taking the blame for his bullshit. He needs to be put in his place. And him destroying the Ferrari kind of proved it. Even though Ferris said, hey, buddy, I'll take the fall for this. This is me, not you. Ferris was willing to fall on the sword. Granted, it was his sword to fall on. Cameron, it's my fault. I'll take the heat for it. We'll wait for your father to come home, and when he gets here, I'll tell him that I did it. He hates me anyway. No. I'll take it. No, I'll take it. No. No. You don't want this much heat. I want it. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't have let you take the car out this morning. I made you take the car this morning. I could have stopped you. It is possible to stop Mr. Ferris Bueller, you know. No, I want it, I'm gonna take it. That's it. When Morris comes home, he and I will just have a little chat. It's cool. No, it's gonna be good. Thanks anyway.
But it led Cameron to go, you know what? Look, I had a great day. I've learned all this about myself. And if it wasn't for you and Sloan, I would still be laying in bed, fucking chanting a song called let my Cameron go. <laughs> so you think because it worked out fine in the end that it gives Ferris a pass for all the bad shit he does. Sloan let him watch her change. So therefore Ferris is not a bad person. Not a bad person. I So Ferris is a high schooler. So I'm not saying he can't change and get better, but like. I don't have any problem with Ferris tricking his parents into thinking he's sick. We just talked about that. That's a rite of passage. That's something we all did. They're manipulated beyond that to think that he's this angel, but I don't have this big problem there. The parents think their kids are angels and regardless of what I mean, what they it's do. not Ferris's fault that people conceive stories that he's dying in the Save Ferris program, which no, he wasn't had anything to do with that. Well, if you Google it, there's dozens of articles about Ferris being a bad person. I mean, dozens from major publications saying we are remembering a good movie about a very bad character. But I'm, I'm just going to mention my, my biggest issues, my biggest peeves with Ferris. First, Ferris's treatment of his best friend, the way I just said. He uses Cameron so badly, frames the whole day as being for Cameron. Where are you? I'm taking the day off. Now get dressed and come on over. You can't, stupid. I'm sick. That's all in your head. Come on over. I feel like complete shit, Ferris. I can't go anywhere. I'm sorry to hear that. Now come on over here and pick me up. But he really just needs Cameron to get Sloan out of school, makes Cameron a third wheel. Pardon my French, but Cameron is so tight that if you stuck a lump of coal up his ass, in two weeks you'd have a diamond. He wants to use Cameron's dad's expensive car. Cameron, I'm sorry, but we can't pick up Sloan in your car. Mr. Rooney would never believe Mr. Peterson drives that piece of shit. Not a piece of shit. It is a piece of shit. Don't worry about it. I don't even have a piece of shit. I have to envy yours. Oh, thanks. Look, I'm sorry. There's nothing else we can do. Which he, like you said, Cameron realizes, you know, he wants to stand up to his dad and stuff, but he wouldn't have had to do that if they didn't trash it. He's a bully in the way that he takes, he never takes no for an answer. So Cameron says no, and it's not good enough. At the restaurant, Ferris devises the Abe Froman prank. If somebody says no to Ferris, he just finds a way to manipulate the situation to get a yes. Objection. Determination. Well, I don't think we're doing the court case anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that in general. Uh, and the last piece of my case is his treatment of Sloan. So the thing that seals it is like the final scene when she's honestly convinced. Ferris runs away and she goes, he's going to marry me. She's a junior in high school. And Ferris is like dangling this carrot on a stick to make him. Because what's he do two minutes after convincing her he's going to marry her? He stops and talks to those girls in bikinis. Well... Nah. he's he's 17 he's making her skip school and stuff and he even says in one of his like soliloquies sloan's his bigger problem she still has another year of high school how do i deal with that i was serious when i said i would marry her i would cameron has never been in love at least nobody's ever been in love with him if things don't change for him he's gonna marry the first girl he lays and she's going to treat him like shit because she will have given him what he has built up in his mind as the end-all be-all of human existence. She won't respect him because you can't respect somebody who kisses your ass. 
just doesn't work. He's screwing it up for her. She still has a year of school and she's got to deal with Ed Rooney. That's true. So it's like he's just very selfish and I, I like he thinks he thinks Sloan's gonna leave him so it's like he's dangling this marriage carrot on a stick so that she stays with him it's very well you kind of have to have that predetermination and as shallow as this sounds you think Sloan is gonna go off to college and Sloan is a very attractive girl yeah the chances maybe Australian maybe Australian possibly English if you look at real life send me an angel most high school couples, when they go off to college, nine times out of 10, they do not end up staying together. So there is a possibility, and you know it's in the back of his mind, where Ferris is like, I'm not going to get any better than this. Maybe I should lock this down. Now, I can't imagine if there were a sequel, and thank God there wasn't. There was a TV show, which, weird, why there was ever a TV show, but there was, that Sloan and Ferris would ever get married to begin with, which I find weird, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, basically what I'm asking the audience to do is Jim's going to put up a poll on social media saying, is Ferris a bad person? You know, just vote yes or no. If you think he's a bad person or you give him a pass because he's only a high school senior. Hey, what would Cameron's life be like if it wasn't for Ferris Bueller? Bingo. I, I don't know, but that doesn't mean that Ferris is a good person. It means he's a great person. So just be, I mean, yeah. Best All right. friends. Well, logic. So we're going to move oh. to logic. So uh, if you would. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. Should have allowed nature to take its course. There's a good uh, high school movie. Fear. <laughs> really? Jim I has, love you, Sloan. Jim, <laughs> Sloan forever. Jim has a huge oh my God. list of logic issues for this movie. I have a few big ones that stand out. So, Jim, why don't you go ahead and give us the listicle, and then I will kind of piggyback off yours whenever they cross paths. Or I'll just go one by one. Okay. That's fine too. So my first one, 13 logic points, Kevin. First off, why does Ed Rooney go so far to find out if he's sick or not? Is His his job isn't on the line, whether no. he's sick or not. No. Makes no sense. No, he just has a vendetta for some reason. I don't know if he is jealous of Ferris being so crafty and he never was when he was his age. Possibility. Right. Don't yeah, know. most principals, if a kid misses too much school and fails, then they just miss too much school and fails. They, exactly. He doesn't care. Exactly. It's not like he's getting a bonus. No. So my second one, how did, I can't remember, did they say in a movie how long Ferris and Sloan have been together? I don't think they have. So we can assume they've known each other for a considerable amount of time and Sloan's been over their house, I would say, correct? When they were stuck in traffic, in downtown Chicago, how the fuck does Ferris's dad not recognize his own son's girlfriend in traffic? What's he doing? He's licking the glass and making obscene gestures with his hands. What? <laughs> I have this one. So if by some stretch he doesn't recognize her, okay, let's say Ferris never brought her around. Okay. When he does bring her around, wouldn't his dad be like, you look familiar? You'd think. Tell me sunglasses tripped him up. Son, I don't think you should marry her because you need to know she hit on me. Yeah. Where it was, it seemed clear as day that he was receptive towards that kid. Oh, yeah. Once again, we're in Statch territory yes. again. Third one. He also doesn't recognize him, Ferris's dad, when he's running alongside yeah. him on the way Looks home. Looks right at him. Looks dead at I him. Think, I think, though, that they shoot it in a way to where it's a side he profile. He thinks he's hallucinating him or something because he looks at him. And then he shakes his head. And then he shakes his head like, nah, couldn't be. I just, he's, they make his dad out to be so fucking stupid. Yes. And then when Ferris calls his dad, this isn't a logic point, I'm just saying this in general. When Ferris calls his dad at the office, his dad treats him like he's eight years old. Yes. Dad? Yeah. All this talking has made me kind of lightheaded. I think I ought to lie down. 
Take a hot bath and then uh, wrap a hot towel around your head. Wrap a hot towel around my head? And then make yourself some soup. Get a nap, okay? Okay. Hey, Ferris? Yeah. Love you, pal. I love you, too. Hey, take a hot bath. Put a towel on your head. Yeah, right. Thanks, Dad. I love you, Dad. It's so weird. My next one. Also, here's the thing. While Ferris's dad is in the car next to Sloan, the newspaper in the car says, community rallies around sick youth. His picture, you think, would have been in the paper, plus he was on camera after he caught the foul ball during the Cubs game. Mm -hmm. If you put a a title in a newspaper that says community rallies around sick youth, people are going to want to know who is this sick youth. That's the picture of him. Not in the paper. I don't get it. Why would everybody be so excited about a kid lip syncing at a parade? Why is there a parade at 10 a.m. on a weekday? <laughs> exactly. Makes no sense. Now, big shout out to these two guys, the garage attendants, by yeah. the way. Relax. <laughs> uh, you fellas have nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. Professional what? When the garage attendants take the Ferrari on a joyride, Cameron, Sloan, and Ferris would definitely hear the exhaust note of the Ferrari as it peeled ass out. They were literally five feet away from the car. You know, that's one of my favorite scenes in this movie because the two attendants, we actually get an update on them jumping this thing. So good. And then they're like, we got to do this again. I love those guys. Those guys are fucking great. MVPs of this uh, movie. My next one. So Ed Rooney, he goes to Ferris's house to do an investigation. He parks in front of a fire hydrant. Yeah. There's no way in the short amount of time that Ed Rooney's car should have that many parking tickets on Not it. Not at all. He's literally been there five minutes. He has like 30 fucking tags on it. Hey, wait, wait, wait. That's my car. I'll move it. Come with keys. You shit it. How does Jeannie not recognize her own principal when he does a B and E? Excuse me. Oh. Whoever's in the house is still in the house. I'd like you to know that I've just called the police. So if you have any brains whatsoever, you'll get your ass out of my house real quick. I'd also like to add that I have my father's gun and a scorching case of herpes. She literally locks eyes on Ed Rooney before she even discovers yep. the wallet. She would know that's Ed Rooney. My next one. Cameron was completely catatonic, right? Where he realizes the amount of miles they put on his dad's Ferrari. But somehow when they're at the pool scene, he's in different clothing. When he's sitting on Hmm. the diving board. Yeah. Remember, he was wearing long pants and the Detroit Red Wings jersey. He's wearing a brown t-shirt and shorts. So did he come out of it, change and get catatonic? Or did Ferris and Sloan change him like a fucking child? I've never noticed. That's weird. So odd. Okay, number 10. Wouldn't Jeannie's mom be more pissed seeing her make out with a perp in a police station? Uh-huh. She wasn't pissed at all. Like, Jeannie, get in the car. Come on, yeah. let's go. It's like Jeannie's done this. Yeah. So I wonder if it's tied into they didn't edit it properly and had the longer, maybe they filmed the longer scene and they edited it down like that. So maybe we're not supposed to know. Ferris doesn't have a driver's license. Right. He doesn't know how to drive, but he can drive a stick shift Ferrari. Sure. Weird. His mom can't decipher a real snore from a stereo. Oh, one. it's so bad. And that stereo, it's in stereo the kids surround at school. <laughs> like when he makes the, and it's like the burp and fart and the, yeah. all the noises. He has it programmed onto a Casio. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's so, they're like, oh, Ferris, like you're dying. Hello? Hi. Hi, Ferris. How's your bod? <laughs> oh my God, you're dying? Uh oh. <laughs> 
Is it serious? Oh, uh, I don't know. I hope not. I think I may need a kidney transplant. And here's my last one. How did all the flowers get into the house with no one being home? That was my last logic. Point. I have 13 uh, I have points. two more. So two that you didn't mention that are, are quite big ones. Ferris laments not having his own car. I asked for a car. I got a computer. How's that for being born under a bad sign? And at the end of the movie there, you know, his mom's telling Jeannie how. And Jeannie gonna, has a Fiero. How she's going to, he's, you know, they're thinking about buying Ferris a pool. Or a pool. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? You got a car? Ferris got a pool. It's his pool. Only he gets with it. <laughs> fuck you, Ferris Jeannie. A car. I don't know why I said a pool. I'm losing it. Bacon coffee. Uh, <laughs> the artisan coffee strikes Ferris again. laments not having his own car. However, he owned an $8,000 synthesizer. Yeah. An eight. Th- like, <laughs> so I don't know. He had a setup in his room like yeah. I've never seen before. And then my biggest thing about this movie, maybe somebody online has explained it. If you know, please reach out to us. I don't know where Shermer is located in the city, but could this all be done in the allotted time? What's the school day? Eight to three, approximately. Yeah, approximately. Let's say eight to three. Sloan's already at school, so it's already at least eight o'clock. Yeah. Ferris convinces his parents, convinces Cameron. They get Sloan out of school. What's the first thing they do? I think go to that restaurant. They do. They go to Chez Louis. What time does Chez Louis open? Those type of restaurants normally don't open till like one or two in the afternoon. Right. So there's a logic issue there. Either Chez Louis opens. They don't have breakfast. A 10 a.m. burger. <laughs> yeah. Or there this is already later in the day the parade the art museum which you can't walk through an art museum in 15 minutes no way so they spend an hour which i i didn't mention the art museum scene i love it because they have instrumental smith's track it's awesome And it's just them looking at art. You got Cameron and they keep zooming in on the paint. That's a great shot. They do the art museum. Fucking how long is a baseball game? It's four Three hours. hours. Yeah. What time does a baseball game start? Probably 4.05. Okay. If they didn't leave the baseball game before it was over, even if they did, Chicago traffic, how the fuck did they get home? How did they do all this? Yeah. From approximately nine to three. There's absolutely no way. In six hours, in I've been to Chicago several times. In six hours, how did they get that far around the city, do that many things, get home, and still be you know beat the parents? And we also are talking about traffic, and then the random fucking parade. Yeah, a parade. Right? How did they do all this? It's physically impossible. Plus rush hour traffic. Yep. What's the legacy of this movie? So Ben Stein made a career out of basically reprising his character from this movie. Same person. He turned so Ben Stein's money and Ben Stein's money. He did. Yeah. He had all kinds of like just talking slow being his character. In 1930, the Republican controlled House of Representatives in an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone, the Great Depression. There was a 2012 Super Bowl commercial for Honda with Matthew Broderick. The gullible people thought was a tease for a sequel. Ugh, so they literally no. thought it was like, because it's Super Bowl, you're watching the ads and stuff. And this is before, it's not before Twitter. Yeah. Before everyone early, was on Twitter. Yeah. So like people literally thought they're seeing Matthew Broderick and people are like, uh, this is Ferris Bueller too, which why the fuck would you do Ferris Bueller too in 2012? Yeah. 30 years later. But then someone, one of the critics was very angry because they were like, 
maybe we don't put Matthew Broderick in a car commercial, the guy who killed a mother and daughter yeah. in a vehicle. They're like, maybe he doesn't do the com- car commercial. You know what's amazing about Matthew Broderick, which I find amazing? This was the only movie, granted, he was in War Games before this, which I yeah. love, but he was a computer nerd. This is the only time he ever played like- Cool? A cool dude. Yeah. And every other thing, he was just nerdy fucking Matthew yeah, Broderick. Right. When you see his work after this, you're like, that was fucking Ferris Bueller. Yeah. How? Everything else he's ever in, he plays this like timid- like, So weird. Weird character. Domino's ran parody ads of Ferris Bueller starting in 2017, starring Joe Keery from Stranger Things. And I like those spots. I like Keery. And uh, Joe Keery is Ferris Bueller. I'd buy it. I you know, if they that. did like a reboot, I would never say it would probably be any good, but like, I could see Joe Keery as Ferris Bueller. Yeah. And then uh, Yellow, the Oh Yeah song that was in everything forever. That song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful. That song, which was also included in Secret of My Success, which we covered a few episodes ago. Which yes, we did. The whole, you know, the... Aunt Vera limousine. The, the song, uh, Secret of My Success, they thought it was going to be in the trailer, and then they put Katrina in the waves. But that whole thing, literally, Dieter Meyer from Yellow took the licensing fees from that song, just from Ferris Bueller, and he is now extremely fucking rich. Oh, I can imagine. Because he took the licensing fees from that movie and figured it was just a bonus paycheck. He invested it all, oh. and all of those investments took off. This dude is massively rich. Dude, just good from, for him. Yeah, great. I love it. Oh, yeah. And then there was that short-lived TV series of Ferris Bueller. Yeah, which they tried to do with everything. So, we just we talked about Fast Times. They yeah. did a Fast Times TV show. And it, yeah, fuck that. With it, the same characters, but different actors. And we talked about it with Police Academy. They tried to do a Police Academy tried to do TV animated. show. Yeah. yeah like, uh, all right, stick around for some plug. Look at us. Hey. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Hey, this is Mag CH, and when I'm not lurking outside of Jim's windows, you can find me listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at poolscenepodcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now back to Kevin. All right, Anthony, give it to us. That would be a waste of time. Thank you. So this is, of course, the waste of time segment where we talk about anything and everything. No, uh, No Nicole Kidman dreams this week. Jim, you got anything you want to... Well, I want to say a big shout out to our lifeguard, Rob Leonard. He gave us a six pack of Sun King Brewery Oktoberfest German style lager beer. You know, for coming on the show a couple weeks ago when we did Can't Hardly Wait. I've enjoyed it. It's been a really fantastic beer. I I thought he just left it here and just totally forgot. And I remember we were drinking Pabst throughout that whole show. So I want a big, big shout out to Rob. And like I said, Rob was in town for our 20th high school reunion. And I forgot to bring up on the past couple episodes. I decided not to go to the class reunion. I'm going to wait till the 25th because I was looking at some of the pictures and not everybody that I kind of hung out with in high school were there at all. It was maybe 15 people. And I had a graduating class of 268, not expecting 268 people to show up to a reunion. But you're kind of hoping you'd see like 75 to 100 people. And but it didn't happen. So I decided at the 12th hour 
to chill out at home instead. So we've got uh, Halloween season approaching. All the Halloween stores are open. Oh, you got some cool shit. You got the stuff from uh, Lowe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now there's, like, if you're in fucking anything, toys, beer, fucking literally anything. It's pumpkin season! Somebody buys the shit and tries to turn a profit off. Oh, of course. There's somebody who doesn't care, but they just want to buy it and resell it. So I follow year-round a Halloween account who sells vintage Halloween stuff. They literally sell Halloween stuff all year. There's people like me who are really into Halloween and um, he posted a tip. He was like, listen, Lowe's has these Nightmare Before Christmas blow molds. He's like, they're made like the original blow molds, like the vintage ones. He's like, these things are going to go. They're going to sell out. And he's like, in a couple years, they're going to sell for a hundred bucks each. So I went and grabbed just one of each um, because they're for me, yeah. not to resell. No. So I, I managed to get them. But uh, yeah, so all the, the Halloween stuff starting to pop up. My kids want to go as, um, so my oldest daughter wants to be Jasmine from Aladdin. So last year, they uh, they wanted me to be Zed from Zombies, the Disney movie. So okay. I dressed up for him. This year, my oldest daughter says, well, if I'm Jasmine, I want you to be Aladdin. Oh, that'd be I said, great. well, <laughs> I'm fat, I'm old, and I'm white. So it's going to be a stretch. But you'd be blue skinned. No, that's the genie. Oh. Oh, She sorry. wants me Aladdin. Himself. I've never seen Aladdin. Of course. <laughs> but she wants me to be Aladdin, who is a Middle Eastern boy, and he's probably also 12. So I'm old, fat, and white. So Aladdin's a stretch, and I keep I can't really explain that to her. Yeah, she doesn't understand. So I was like, I, I can't be Aladdin. She's like, okay, just be a Ghostbuster then. I was like, wait a minute, how do you know? How do you know what Ghostbusters is? And she was like, I don't know. So my kids have been watching real Ghostbusters cartoons. Oh, awesome! They're on like YouTube. So yeah. we've been watching uh, real Ghostbusters, and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm really into that. That is know? sweet. So uh, we we do the uh, 31 days of Halloween every year, where we watch a, a Halloween. It's tough with the kids; they go to school. So and this year, you know, knock on wood, yeah. because of the. Uh, COVID. We're going to Disney, so we'll be in Disney a few days of October and may not be able to watch them, but they're getting excited for the 31 days of Halloween, but we watch with them being in school. Sometimes it's just like Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. It's a 15-minute yeah. thing. Not a full-blown two-hour movie. We save those for the weekend. There's stuff like Toy Story of Terror. There's these other things that are 15, 20-minute shorts, um, Halloween specials on TV and stuff. So, yeah, this year, hopefully, we can integrate some of that vintage stuff in. There's that. Um, there's those Sam Hain episodes of Ghostbusters. He's like a yeah. pumpkinhead monster guy, and uh, hopefully they'll watch those. I'm so excited. They started releasing... The Ghostbusters figures, the Plasma series, they released like last year where, you know, you had something, all the old characters and you could build a Zool, which is awesome. So they kind of spoiler fucked themselves. Yeah. They released new Plasma series for the new Ghostbusters yeah. movie and you see yep. old Venkman because you don't see that right. in the trailer. Right. You it's just, not, you no, hear It Ray. doesn't look like vintage. No. No, they released him as old guy. You hear Ray's voice, but you have old Winston, old Ray, old I Pete. don't know how you prevent this because this happens every time there's a Star Wars. Yeah. The toys like the start getting released or announced because the toys have to go in pre-production before. They have to. So it's like they start announcing the, uh, the only way you could do it is have the toys come much later. Yeah. Which I mean, sucks because I was like so excited about the new Ghostbusters movie that I don't want to know anything yeah. about it. And then I saw Pete on the shelf at Target. I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, yeah. fuck. I didn't See, know Murray was in like, this. All right. So my kids got real into space, the new Space Jam, a new legacy when it came out. But imagine if they took a year to release Space Jam, a new legacy toys. Yeah. My kids want to watch the movie and then go buy the toys that day. Yeah. I remember going to see Masters of the Universe in theater and my 
Aunt Martha, who actually just recently passed away, had bought me like a He-Man figure because I went to the movies for the first time. That's such a different movie. Yeah, not yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing like to do the, with the, no. anything. So with like Star Wars, they again you have to release the figures close to when it comes out, but you then you to. risk exactly that. Yeah, who the fuck is this? You know, hey, yeah. this is a movie I want to go see. Here's a character. Spoil, you know, it's like uh, it ruined it for me. Yeah, it's like, um, hey, I'm going to see Last Skywalker. Why is there a Palpatine toy for? Well, what's cool with them re-releasing the real Ghostbusters toys? If the girls get into it, you can get those dirt cheap instead of buying the vintage oh, ones yeah. that are double yep. the price. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll go that far, but they just. I want to get the Ecto one. I, I had that as a kid. I want that again. I'm honestly, if my, I buy a fucking trans Transformers. I'll buy a Transformers jumpsuit. <laughs> I'll buy a. a the Ghostbusters. That'd be awesome. Overalls. Oh, yeah. I wear them all the time. Okay. Well, again, next week we return to 1985. You are the last dragon. When you got that glow. Damn straight. Uh, until then, it is Silencia. <laughs> Go home. Go.